Welcome to the OTL podcast. I've been doing about one a month this season, but things have heated up to such an extent that I was desperate to get some military fans back together to talk over the recent form. And we'd recently put a plea out for people to join up to the podcast. Uh, and I'm delighted to have someone making their debut tonight. Uh, so when Airdrie needed experience to help a team, uh, they went out and signed PP. We've got CC, we've got Colin Campbell. Uh, so Colin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. This is a, a first for me in Zoom. Yeah, this is a yeah, we've brought you into the technological age. You've managed to get through about 15 months of lockdown without knowing what Zoom was, but you, you've got on board with it tonight. So, so thank you very much. I'm Colin, still a bit of an analog man. <laughs> Colin, we've known each other for well, you've known me since since I was a wee boy. Uh, when growing up, you were about 200 yards away from, from our house, so I've, I've always known you, but I haven't known how you started supporting Airdrie. So it's a question I like to ask for anybody who joins. Um, so how did your, your love affair with the Diamonds start? Uh, my dad took uh, me and my big brother uh, to a game at Hamilton in 1956. Uh, I was eight then and my brother was nine. And I mean, I, I do remember going to the game, but I, I, had to, I had to spend some time trying to figure out what it was. And it was a Lanarkshire Cup game, which apparently we won. I don't remember anything about it. Um, and so from then on, I've been a, a Diamond fan. My brother became a Rangers fan, so I have to apologise for that. No, you don't have to apologise to us. That's, that's fine. It's his, his uh, mistake. <laughs> it's regarded as being on the dark side. <laughs> Quite, yeah, definitely is. Uh, so, so, and I've also, I should have introduced you before we went into in, into that. Uh, Alan Porteous with us. Alan, you're a... You're a, a only started supporting Airdrie in 1975, so you're going to have to, to bow to experience tonight. How are you getting on? Good, not bad, not bad. The lockdown is, is, is taking a turn for the better over the last few weeks. It's definitely not as not as depressing on a on a Saturday. Even just the football being back is is, is kind of kind of good. So yes, all all is is looking optimistic, shall we say? And it's good to be here tonight. So so Colin starts in 1956. How, where'd you go from there? So you, have you Tesco Cup memories, Scottish Cup final memories in 75 yeah. and things like that? What's been I the happiest it, memories? Yeah, it's a bit like Alan. Uh, I think the key one is 1975, the Scottish Cup final, uh, which I went to. And then, of course, the Spring Cup. There are two memories of the, the 70s that just were, were excellent. I used to sell papers in Broomfield at half time. Uh, you could do that in those days. You were allowed in to sell papers because they had the racing results. Uh, so once I'd sold my papers, I just stayed in. Uh, so I got you watch Airdrie free. Um, so really, it's the 60s, any of the 70s. Is, that's some of my greatest memories uh, of the, the teams of that period. And who would your all-time he- heroes be from that era? Uh, Sam Goodwin, uh, because he's a tremendous shot. But I mean, like, I was at school with Derek Bightford. I was a year younger than Derek, so he he was a great player. Um, anybody in that team, Jim Black, Paul Jonkin. Paul Jonkin was at primary school a few years ahead of me at uh, Alexandra Primary. So and uh, he was he was a great guy. I knew him personally. So that period was that that was enough to meet an Airdrie fan for life because you you've got to stick with them. 
Yeah. So do you have a big yes. do you have a big rosette, Colin, from the nineteen seventy five cup final? When you know, with a big a big metallic cup on it, you know, like you were best in breed type of a thing. Yeah. If one of them, I think I've still got mine somewhere. But there's so much stuff that you get that you just kind of give away. I mean, I've got some program. I've got the 1975 Cup Final program uh, and all the Cup Final programs. They're up in the loft. Hopefully, hopefully still okay. Um, That'll be worth about a pound fifty now. I'd keep. I'd hold on. <laughs> no, I would never sell any of these kind of things. Uh, they're, they're really important, but no, nobody else wants them in the house. Because uh, my daughter's not a, a football fan, so uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I've still got a lot of the old Broomfield bulletins. Do you remember them? They, they were yes. absolutely massive. They only they only had like about five pages in them, but they were so big that you know that there was that much information on them. It's actually but, quite it's quite good digging them out every now and again. More for all the the shops that are adver- that are advertising down the down the town centre, you know. Like, Flossies the shoe shop and stuff like that. And you think, oh God, I remember all these places. Uh, my sister-in-law, she actually sold these Broomfield bulletins. It was a spell by Bobby Watson where they got quite attractive young ladies to dress up in a, I can't remember what the uniform was, but they, they sold them outside. So The St. John's Ambulance. <laughs> now, I'll need to try and find the photo, but uh, there is a photo I don't, of I don't selling remember that ever. Colin, do you remember that? I don't. I don't remember that. No, that, no, that no. would be that would be you know, but nineteen nineteen eighty eighty one, the special uh, young ladies who sold the Brimfield Bulletin. See, I'd have been at an, an, an impressionable age at that point as well. I would have, <laughs> I would have noticed that. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, I would have. I was you about you, Alan. They hid from you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought guy guy players like Wally Maguire and Sandy Clark. Uh, Tommy Walker and you know Nori Anderson. That that was a great period as well. You just you just felt everything was great. I I went up to Aberdeen for a cup tie, and I think we lost eight nothing mm. the, the year before we got promoted. And I think we get two players sent off in that game. I'd gone with my dad, and we stayed to the <laughs> the bitter end, and hoping they wouldn't score more goals than we had players. So the next season we did much better. So it's a strange, strange game, football. And did, did we not lose seven goals round about that time as well? Was it not like two games in the bounce that we just got absolutely hammered? I seem, I seem to remember. I didn't go to either of them, but I do think we were we were well outclassed at that time and it didn't, we, we, we felt like a smaller team playing against bigger teams at times. And of course, those days driving the Aberdeen was uh, no like what it is now, but you're there really quick. It seemed to take ages and ages and ages to get there. Only to get hammered eight nothing. I think we used to Archibald scored four goals that day, and we struck and ran riot. So, yes, that was that was that was a low point. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a long drive back after an eight nil. Um, right, but you've said it's a crazy game, and this is a, a crazy season. So to bring us back to the the present, we're just well, we're recording on the eve of our game with Partick Thistle. Um, so quite quite exciting times. I mean, the the form we've had a recent podcast, but the 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 uptick in form has been remarkable since a bit of a stodgy win at Dumbarton through to Tuesday night when cards on the table, Airdrie really, with the way the results went elsewhere, they had to win to get top half. Kind of game where I think for a number of years we've, we've seen ourselves fold and they put in an excellent performance, especially in the second hand, uh, second half. So um, handing over to each of you, Alan, can you this recent up, 
ticking form. What, what do you put it down to? I think you, you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes to to, to realise that, that uh, Messrs Turner and Payton are are integral to the whole thing. I mean, I think they are they represent the type of midfielders we've been we've been shouting and crying out for for about two years now. And you know, there's we've we've struggled in the middle of the park. Um, we've we've had a lot of young guys playing in the middle of the park that you know that either were lacking in experience or they were playing out of position. We just we, we needed somebody that had, you know, a bit of you know experience to put a foot in the ball, a bit of tenacity, a hard man almost. And I think Peyton represents that, albeit he's he can he can pass a ball as well, which is quite good. Um and uh, and, and you kind of feel that Turner's box to box, you know, he's he's uh, he's a he's a superb player. I don't imagine we'll be keeping him next year. And I believe, what, is it Harps and St. Johnson are quite interested in him. But while we've got them, you know, they, they really they really add, you know, a huge, huge factor to to, to what we're doing. I, I mean, I, I don't even think that, you know, they, they played for the first time together the other night. And I don't even think individually they had their best games. Um, but just the fact that they were there and at times when East Fife were, you know, playing a little bit better and asking a few questions, there just seemed to be no. Uh, they couldn't play through us. You know, we were we were we were so solid that I never felt that we were under you know a lot of pressure. And it's not all down to them. I mean, I would also think that the continuation with the, the kind of high press. I, I think that's been important. The teams we play against aren't good enough. If you shut them down, they'll kick the ball out the park. So that's. That's been useful. The, the, the commitment as well has, has been very similar, I think, to that good six-game run that we had sort of last season as well. You know, we, we maybe didn't necessarily play wonderful football, but that press and that commitment and that willingness to win was good enough because we have good enough players that if they do give 100%, you know, we'll, we'll be in there pitching. I think another factor, Ali Roy's pace. I don't remember Ali Roy looking quite as fast as as he does. He's absolutely rapid, and I think whether he's had a lot of joy or not, I think he's asked quite a lot of, sort of questions of the defence in the first hour or so, just for that pace alone. Alone, and when they've kind of maybe got the measure of him, um, Murray's taken them off, and the, the defenders have then had to deal with Connell, which has been a different thing altogether. And I kind of tend to think that Connell's the best striker we have you know so having him to come on and 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 be effective and give as i say give the defender something else to think about has been massively massively influential last thing probably worth mentioning the improvement of o'reilly as as well i think you know for a guy that that was carrying injuries and i felt was a little bit of a bit part player i think he has you know thrown shown quite a lot of stability i think he's uh, he looks fitter. It might be a controversial thing to say, but I think he's been more impactful than Robert has been in, in the games that, that he's played of late. You know, Robert's has undoubtedly got talent, but it can go AWOL for, for a, a period of time and, you know, you, you get something once or twice a game. Whereas I think I think O'Reilly has, you know, in that position, has has offered an awful lot more. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the comparison of Robert with Riley's really interesting one and I think you're starting to see kind of the hallmarks of of an Ian Murray team I mean he's been with us long enough but he does seem to prioritise that collective effort and being able to get back and and defend and I don't think Ian Murray's got 
in his psyche that he wants a, a luxury player on, which uh, I think earlier in the season at times Roberto yeah, was. Yeah. November Roberto is yeah, he's an unbelievable talent. That that's not changed, and it's still okay, I've got maybe a bit of frustration that we're seeing the likes of Stokes coming on before him, who's who who hasn't had a, hasn't done anything in his his time with us. And I, I do wonder what's going through his head. Alan, you mentioned in a a previous podcast. For him and for Sabatini, being in Scotland through all this, trying to play football in a league that's stopping and starting must have, must be like mentally really tough on, on young guys. So I would like to see Robert back into the fold. But um, all the things that you said there are, are correct and he probably is more impactful. Uh, and you can't really argue with, with Robert being on the bench when the, when the team's pulling these results together. Can I do a Dr. Watson to Sherlock Holmes then? Yeah. Um, uh, Think uh, all all that Alan says is correct. I have no um, I've got no quibbles with that. I think Sabatini and Robert are just futsal players. I don't think they are League One players. If you're going to succeed in the our seaside leagues, as we call them, you've got to be able to battle. And Sabatini possibly, but I think Robert is lightweight. I think he's a bit of a media creation. Um, I'm not convinced. I think Sabatini probably struggled a, a little bit in that he was playing in a very weak midfield. In many ways, I would quite like to see Sabatini play with the two new guys mm-hmm. because he was very, very good. He very rarely gave the ball away and he kind of moved the ball forward quite yeah. well. Now, how that fits into a, a formation, yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I think he's been very unlucky to... You know, as a young guy, not and again, you know, to have somebody like Peyton beside him to, to steer him along as well. I think that this was always going to be a problem with the young guys and having far too many of them. The, the principle but, in good quality youngsters and foreign guys is not absolutely wrong. But if they're and, and it's fine if they're working around the periphery of a good squad and you've got older they guys, were, they were to be central. That was Aye, that, that exactly. That was that's what was coming to get. You know, they, these were never guys that were going to come in and be central to a, a promotion winning team and 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 take the strain when things weren't going well and what have you. That was that was never going to work. So you know, m- maybe we've not seen the best of both of those players. I mean, when I when I was thinking about this uh, today, when you'd said it'd be the kind of thing we would be talking about, the first thing I wrote down was the middle of the park. I mean, that, that's what's been missing. Now, I, I know everybody in Facebook and everybody in Pie and Bovril have been saying that for months and months and months. And you kept thinking, why, why, why is Ian Murray, who is a midfield player in his early days and a really good left back, what on earth is going on if he's playing care, good enough player, Paul Mackay, although I think Paul Mackay is a better midfield player than many people give him credit for, Stokes, I'm thinking, why are these guys in the middle of the park? Dean Ritchie's just a young boy. So uh, it's the middle of the park that seems to me to be the crucial thing. I think you're right about Ali Roy. I couldn't believe how fast he was. So maybe by running about a lot, he tires them out and then opens up that kind of space. Uh, so that that's an interesting point. But that's it. It's the middle of the park. You can't play football unless you've got good midfield players. Says a guy who never get a game for Tolbury Primary. <laughs> yeah, I was I was talking to uh, someone this week about the exact same thing. Colin's got a golf hill in my case, uh, but to me, there's there's 
there's, for whatever reason, there's some sort of ceiling for each football player. And this hybrid model and, and taking on young guys, I kind of get the impression that you could train Dean Ritchie full-time for, for three years and you won't get a Paul Payton out of him. There's, there's something, I don't know what it is, whether it's coordination. Certainly, I mean, Kyle Turner, the, the way that he seems to manipulate space on the field, can uh. receive the ball, spin on it, beat a man, and it completely turns the course of the game because you're suddenly into an attack. So it's that thing about what makes a good football manager. Well, well good players is a, a massive start to it. So uh, this is where this season's interesting. If we can get promotion, then you might just have a chance where you've got all the additional prize money. You could try and talk Kyle Turner into, you develop really well here. I know you want to play Premier League, but do you want to go to St. Johnston and not get a game? Or why not play another 12 months with us, which we don't yeah. be desperate to see? But we would need to must be, there must be a fair chance of signing. Must be a fair chance of signing Peyton after after this. Surely, you know, rather than go back to East Kilbride. Yeah. I don't know what his wages would be, but you know, it certainly seems a more viable opportunity than than, than probably uh, Turner. But but as you say, you know, possibly. I mean, some some of the recent games, Turner was a one man midfield, and you yeah. thought that's just one guy playing in the middle of the park. And we are winning games, so yeah. that's what that's what I was. And I'm really surprised that Ian Murray didn't spot that earlier on, and he had got less flack from the. I mean, I am a happy clapper. I, I want to support the team and I want to support the manager, but the amount of abuse that he was getting on Facebook, etc., it's understandable because we were making simple, simple errors all over the place. You can edit that bit if you want. No, no, that's it. <laughs> if, if the best, two, if best the, thing you've said. <laughs> the two midfielder, if the two midfielders hadn't turned up, do you think we would have been fighting relegation just now? Yes. So all I'll say on that one is it's difficult. So I was also thinking about that. Before the enforced break, we were five points off top, uh, top of the league with a game in hand. So... As, as bad as we might have thought they were, had we beaten Dumbarton, uh, then we were only two points off the top with the old midfield. But, yeah. but, I, but, but I do agree with what you're saying. I mean, Josh Kerr converted centre-half to me. Paul Mackay, same. Uh, and Griffin Sabatini, a young a young lad who's not played a, a season in senior football before. So the difference is just, it's just remarkable. Uh, so I... I with the way it gone after the restart, yeah, I think we could be in relegation trouble. But they weren't, it's not fair to say they were completely hopeless because they had got themselves back in touch before we shut down again. Aye, but, but when, when I say relegation, losing the three games, that got me really, really worried uh, you know, about where we were going to go. Mm. Yep. A couple of Clyde wins at the wrong time and we would have been in trouble. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I thought there was only one playoff we were going to be involved in um, after from we after the Cove game. And, and when I, I've said on here before, when I saw the starting lineup for the Dumbarton game, where you didn't have Peyton back, didn't have Crichton, uh, you had Dean Ritchie and Scott Walker starting, um, I, I was really, really fearful that they were going to turn us over. And and it's credit to each of those guys that had, had a good game. Now, Scott Walker, Walker, I like what I've seen so far. I guess it's with with the young players like when we won the, this league. Alan Gow was a, an outstanding talent, but Sandy Stewart didn't play him a lot of the time because I guess it's about bleeding them and, and getting them into the team and that they're not strong enough for it, for this. Like you say, it's this big, hard league that you can't expect him to, to go in every week. So 
that's what Murray probably needs a bit more experience to bring some of these guys on. Uh, I mean, so. I, until recently, every team we played had better players at passing the ball, pressing <clears> the ball, keeping the ball. You know, we 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 just there was so much long ball stuff naturally because <laughs> Creighton and them had nobody to pass the ball through, which they now have. I, I thought the Dumbarton game that we won one nothing was probably the first game almost all season that I genuinely thought that Dumbarton were worse than us on the ball. Yeah. Um, every other te- every other team, in- including going to Forfar and winning at Forfar, once they got the measure of us, they passed the ball better than as we went to Clyde in, in the windy day and scored early doors and effectively shut the game. But they came out and passed the ball better than us. Everybody always felt, you just felt that they looked more comfortable in the ball than is. And I don't know whether that's back to the old midfield deficiency of giving them too much space. It might, it might have been just that. I um, also wonder, because we're seeing these in a stream, you, you don't really get a view of what's going on that you would at a stadium. You, you, no, maybe, I find it difficult to work out, be, to be honest at times, especially with Pixelot and its, and its antics yeah. at, at times. I... I genuinely couldn't tell you half the time who's playing well and who's playing badly. I thought that plastic bag should have played in midfield in at least two of the games. <laughs> and I've never, I've never seen Carlisle Road looking so good at night time. <laughs> in the sunshine, bathed in sunshine. Oh, no, yeah. It was a bit, yeah, I agree with you. It was a post-match this week and he was talking about moving to a back three. <laughs> I just sat and watched the game and went, oh, did we? Because <laughs> you, you see so little of the pitch that you're not you're not really getting to look at the formation that clearly. So it was kind of, oh, that was that was news to me. But We, we moved to a back three at the point when the Pixelot camera had wedged itself on the half-way <laughs> line. There was a tremendous bit of Dumbarton in the game that we won where we took the ball into the corner for about what five six minutes, but the camera <laughs> the camera never followed it. So the two commentators, they were good commentators, and they're saying Airdrie are just taking this button. I'm thinking, where is it? I can't even see it. Because they were eventually getting quite annoyed, weren't they? they were saying, yeah. I mean, how long are they taking to be down? Oh, and there's a man down now. How long? How much time have they wasted? It reminded me. Remember, Montrose were always really good at doing that. Yeah, I can remember us mumping and grumping about them taking like about ten minutes to take a shy at one point. I thought, here we are, we're doing it, and we're doing. Well, I can remember. I, I can remember a game at Easter Road where we were winning two nothing, and Alan Lawrence took the ball into the corner flag, and I went mental because I think it's a a terrible way to try and run down the clock. But these guys know better than I do. Because that's a bit managing the game, you know, in the last few minutes. But it is it's dead annoying, even if you're a supporter of the team. I think the fact that we were doing it 10 minutes before the end of the game as well was probably a little bit premature, was it not? Uh, the, the bit I love is when the goalie catches the ball and then he falls down and takes about, you know, 30 seconds then to get back up. And I mean, they all do it. They all cheat. I mean, the whole game is full of uh, professional cheating, like, let's call it. Yeah, and remember, it would be a bye kick, and then the goalkeeper would put the ball down, and then he would decide to move it over to the other side of the goals to hit it as well. You would be apoplectic by the point that they'd actually kicked the ball back <laughs> in, in the field of play. Are you allowed big words like that in this podcast? A- Apple what? Play, field of play. <laughs> 
what what else? I mean, Leon McCann probably they moved to a back three and letting him get forward a bit more. I thought he's had a, a difficult season at points, a lot of goals coming through the fullback areas, but the last couple of games, he's been yeah, really good. Yeah, he's been getting forward and he's just he's just looked um, like he's had a new lease of life uh, and. This, I guess we're about to come on to it, but it's things that starting to give me confidence are the improvements having ball players in the middle of the park is showing around the team. Um, it's just getting me a little bit excited ahead of the big games that we've got coming up. Well, the key, the key to that is you you didn't spot the back three, and it was very difficult to spot it in lots of games. But Paul Mackay in a back three did seem to allow the defence to be so much more solid. And I let these guys attack. I'm not sure about a uh, Carrick wide right because I think he 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 moves about a lot. So we're not really playing with a right sided uh, traditional sort of winger, but that's fine because him and O'Reilly. When Alan talked about O'Reilly, it always reminds me of Basil Fawlty, who kept announcing that as orally. So each th- you'll not remember Basil Fawlty, okay? Uh, each time I see O'Reilly, I shout, "Oh, come on, O'Reilly!" Was he not one of the tradesmen that, that put the door in the wrong place or something? It's the door in the wrong place, yes. And he is O'Reilly. I'm not that. I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that I'm a Fawlty Towers fan, but it just each time I heard the word O'Reilly, it just took me back to <laughs> those twelve episodes. <laughs> Uh, he has been good. He's, he's been excellent. I like, I like you said, I was I was ready to write him off in terms of who we'd want to see next season. Uh, but I didn't know any of the stuff that you've now seen press about of how bad his injury was and how much he yeah. struggled to get back. So it just goes, mm. it just goes to show you the things that we, we don't know about. Right, we're heading into the final four games and it, it's become exciting. Tomorrow's Partick Thistle away, which is always a game to look forward to. They've probably got the best stream I've seen uh, of any a team in this league by, by quite some way, two different... They've got replays, Colin. They've yeah. got replays. replays yeah. It's like cool. watching Scott Sport in the 90s or something like that. Um, silky smooth. What, They've the, not got the best commentators. Well, of course not. See, I didn't mind them. Everybody was saying they were really, really biased. I, I didn't think they were uh, they were that bad. They've clearly never listened to John O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Kenny Duker at East Fife. He, he seemed to need to be... <laughs> He didn't even know they'd changed the offside rule, so I mean, I couldn't believe it. Again, I don't think he even realised they changed halves at half time. <laughs> uh, but tomorrow, Partick Thistle, so four games to go. Are, are you genuinely getting excited about the chances of um, Airdrie winning the league, which can only happen if we if we win tomorrow? But Colin, what do you reckon? Have we, have we got a chance to win tomorrow? Uh, I've got a thirty percent figure on that. I, I suspect that uh, the, on the game 50-50, I think Thistle, I've predicted that they'll win the league. I think I said that maybe five games ago, once they, once they beat us 4-2. But it's no beyond us to go there. And I thought we were good in the first the opening game. And having seen every lose seven goals there, uh, then a result tomorrow, a win would be absolutely marvellous. So I, I think we could do it. I think we've got the discipline to do it. Alan, we paint you as a, a Victor Meldrew on this podcast, but <laughs> you're, you're feeling much brighter than that. So come on, talk us through how are you going to win the league from here? Absolutely. I, I, I think we have every chance of, of winning this league. You know, we have, we now have that that missing link. I, I think that, that uh, it brings our, for, our forwards are not that bad. So the, the midfielders bring these guys into play and... Uh, 
I think I think like Colin's saying, I think Thistle are the best team in the league. I think they've, they've impressed me more than they've impressed than Falkirk have. Falkirk have consistently ran out of ideas against us and looked kind of a bit blunt, to be honest, once once their plan A didn't work. I tend to think Falkirk might be a bit better now that maybe Holt's going to put something into it that wasn't there previously. I think there will be an improvement, whether it's enough, I, I, I don't know. Um, aye, Thistle are undoubtedly the, the, the best team, but I think probably the one thing that stands out for me is, with, this, with the exception possibly slightly of Falkirk, because of the, the managerial things, everyone else is still the same, but we are much improved. And uh, I, I think we will. I think we will give Thistle a far, far better game um, than than we did the last time. Montrose, I really don't think there's an awful lot to fear from them. They've got Russell McLean. Is it Russell McLean the forward? He's a, he's a good centre forward, and they're strong and big. But I think we showed up their second half that you know we could have scored a barrel load of goals. There's nothing to fear from them. Cove couple of marquee signings, but again, nothing gravely to, you know, to, to fear. And we've already had a draw against them and played pretty, pretty well in, in periods. We didn't start the game well against Cove, but second half, we were, you know, we stood toe-to-toe. So again, we've improved. I can see us taking four, I can see us potentially winning all four games. Um, but, you know, as we talked, we were talking about before this, we, we went on air effectively everybody can beat everybody else. So conceivably, on the basis of it, it could be said that everybody wins two games and loses two games. The team that can actually, you know, either the an extra couple of wins or, you know, just be that little bit more improved and a little bit more hungry than everybody else, you know, I think may well take the take the advantage. So, yeah, you're right. If we, if we, lose, if we lose tomorrow, and maybe even if we draw, I think you might find that uh, it'll be a bridge too far. I certainly, I certainly feel I'll be very, very disappointed if we end up fifth and don't get a player and don't get. I, th- I think, I, th- I think, I think the team that we have currently, if that, if the same team goes out in the park tomorrow as on Tuesday, they look more like a team who are capable of winning than the the team that lost the thistle. I think there's a confidence there that comes from winning games. I mean, I'd love to beat Thistle. I mean, <laughs> of all the teams you could beat apart from Motherwell, uh, I had lots of friends when I was teaching who were Thistle fans. Uh, so I've got a lot of time for Thistle as a club. But you, you've got to be able to beat a team like Thistle. You, you, you don't deserve to win the league if you don't win your games. I mean, that, that's no. that's what it's about. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with all that. I think tomorrow's an absolute crunch game. Uh, if if we manage to win, uh, then you've got Montrose on Tuesday night. If you can't beat Montrose, then you don't deserve you to don't. win the league. Yeah. And that's that. I mean, they've they've been so good since they got promoted, and I'd never seen you replay Montrose, and I've been really impressed. And they've given us a few defeats, <laughs> but but if you want to win the league, you need to be able to beat Montrose. You've then got Cove on the Saturday. Uh, now going up to. Well, Morrow's a, a, a really difficult place. They've got an excellent home record, but they're playing the way their fixtures run. We've got the Thursday off and they don't, so they could well be... Did, did really Clyde beat up. them? Are Clyde one of the few teams to have beaten them? I think, Clyde, I think Clyde were the first team to win up there. I think you're, you're right. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, it's not an impossible task. And if you go up there and they are tired, do they pick up a few injuries? And uh, They've already got, I think, the whole left-hand side of the, their, their team out for the rest of the season. It's, it's mm. not inconceivable that we could win there. 
And then if you get to the last day of the season and Falkirk aren't in the running anymore and have suddenly got the first leg of their playoff on the Tuesday night, they might just be wanting to rest a couple of players yeah. and, and not getting <laughs> injured or suspended. So uh, if we, if, it's fantasy stuff, but you could see it part like yeah. Red Sea and uh, if we can, but we need to win tomorrow, win the first two games and yeah. the momentum and everything, it's going to be really, really I, exciting. I can see this scenario. Um, do you remember when we went to Sunrach and Alan Gow scored and we thought we were up only for that announcer then to tell us <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, I've got a sneaky feeling we won three games and we're in the last game against Falkirk and there's just a point in it because Thistle have still managed to stay a point ahead and we get a draw or, or, or you know it's one of those kind of things but I am optimistic I think we will win tomorrow Let's hope so. They're a good rival for us. They tend to be at the same level as us. But it's a long time since we've beaten them. We seem to keep drawing them in the League Cup when they're in leagues yeah. above. I never really laid a glove on them. And both the games this year, we've started really well uh, and been good value for our lead, but collapsed a bit afterwards. So with the changes in personnel, let's just hope that's enough to, to let us get a, a victory over them tomorrow. Which be- One thing I'd meant to say earlier on was that Gallagher getting goals has been a huge contribution because for a long spell you thought is he there this season but getting those goals has has done a lot for him and getting those goals at a point when everybody was screaming at their screens get him <laughs> off he's just missed a sitter <laughs> that's a classic miss isn't it he's got to clear one off the, oppo- the opponent's line before he scores the winning goal almost hasn't he? I, tried, I tried to work out how it had happened and my only explanation is he was not quite facing the right way. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> if have he'd actually have... just left it, it would have gone in, you know? Yeah. Have you seen work from a Airdrie player? Uh, there, was a, there was a cup game up at Starts Park where we went one nil up and Wraith Rovers got a man sent off and they got about to one each despite being with 10 men and with about two minutes to go, Kevin McDonald had a chance from about four yards out and managed to miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never, I, I never had that much time for Kevin McDonald before that, but mm-hmm. I certainly <laughs> didn't join him as a player after it. Um, but that, that's probably one that sticks in my mind. But there must be from all the years that we've all watched the injury, there must be there must be some cracking misses. I remember, Bob, was it Bobby Russell calling you? Maybe remember this? Did Bobby Russell not miss a, 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 a shot from about four yards out against Rangers at Broomfield? It the bar. Uh, that was a guy that came from Morton, wasn't it? He, mm-hmm. he played in what I, his nickname was Beastie. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, he he did. It was he, him. Somebody certainly missed from about four yards out. Absolutely blazed it over the bar. I can remember. I can remember Vinnie Moore putting the penalty bar the penalty uh, right away over a fine fair one game. So yeah, there's been some some good misses. Right, and then to, to, to finish, you've already given us your, your percentages. Uh, Alan, what do you reckon? What, what, what chance have we got of... You think we could win the league, but ha- have cash on it. Well, what percentage chance do you think we've got? I'm going to be quite optimistic and say 50-50. I think, I think, we've, got it, I think we've got it in us. And I, and I know it's, it's like banging you know, the, the same old drum here, but that, that, that midfield you know, brings us right into play. You know, we're, 
we're, we're not going to give much up. We're going to create an awful lot more. We're a different proposition um, that, that these teams haven't played as well. So we're, we're just that little bit more solid. Um, and the league is not good. How often have we said that? That the league is not good. Um, so any kind of, you know, adequacy is, you know, it almost bears fruits. The fact that we're even in the hunt at the moment Having had played so poorly as we have is is quite indicative of the of the league that we're in. So if we can actually play reasonably well, you know, there's there's no reason to that, that we can't win three, if not four, of these games that will actually put you in and it will put you in a position to if you're not if you're not winning the league, you won't be a kick in the backside of it. And I think again, one of the bright points is, but on the run that we were on beforehand, I just couldn't see as putting four games together. So if we do miss out in the league, I have a bit more confidence that the team's good enough to go and compete in the playoffs and give us a wee bit of excitement that way as well. Whereas beforehand, it was just so rare that we would win even back-to-back games. I couldn't see us getting through the, the two-leg semi-final and final. So uh, if, it, if, it, if I get a draw tomorrow or lose tomorrow, then it's got to be all, all sights set in the, the playoff, maybe trying to get clear on Montrose so that we can rest guys in the last game. And, I mean, a, play, a two-leg playoff with Ayr or Morton would be, although we can, we'd probably still wouldn't be able to go to the matches, would still be I, a, a good way I, to, to start the end of the season. Can I put a note of caution in here? Mm-hmm. When was the last time we did well in playoffs? Oh, we, we never have. Uh, <laughs> but but it's, it's got to change at some point. <laughs> I can remember abusing Kenny Black for weeks after the games of the, the game that we lost to Sterling. Um, so I'd, I'd prefer us to win the title so I don't have to abuse Ian Murray. I'm, lo- I'm loving this change and this optimism. You're just saying <laughs> well, we, we want to win it first. And Colin's saying not only are we going to win it, but see if we could just manage to rest some guys for the last game. <laughs> oh, super. I need to, I need to edit good. this quickly tonight before uh, we, we get a 2 0 defeat to this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and none of it stands up at all. I, I, well, I can imagine. I couldn't even publish it. I would just wait until <laughs> afterwards and just say, oh, you know, this is what we talked about last night. I can imagine Thistle fans and the other teams, Cove, folks sitting around doing the F game. There was a guy in Facebook had come up with some results. I can't remember his name, Graham Rennie on Facebook who had put in all the fixtures and with his predictions. And I mean, that's the kind of thing you do at the end of the season if you're in with a chance. I've, at the beginning of April, I didn't think we were in with a chance. No, me neither. Must be honest. So I'll have the glass of wine after this as well then, OK? Indeed. <laughs> Get the champagne on ice, Colin. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm a Prosecco man. I'm a bit of a wine buff. I, know, I shouldn't really say that. But uh, I'm a well-known wine man. <laughs> I saw you with all those beers, and I'm thinking this guy's advertising beers for sale. Is that, is that part of your business? For me? Yes, I remember. Did you? You no, posted something about all these yeah, great beers. Well, beer, beer Fifty Two is still available for anybody that's uh, that's interested. <laughs> but Beer Fifty Two dot com forward slash Airdre is just a. Uh, <laughs> If you, if you get, for a box of six. Yeah, if you if you sign up, you get they give five pounds to your ladies. So I joined that at the start of lockdown, and I've uh, right. been trying all sorts of different beers. Uh, but but uh, not I don't have a stake in it. Unfortunately, it just gets a, a little bit of money to the ladies team if anybody takes it up. I was hoping that I could somehow connect my laptop up to my telly 
during the course of this lockdown, but I, I still can't figure it out. So it's laptop stuff for me. Oh, yeah, I never worked. That, I never worked that out either. I've been watching it on the iPad, but uh, and you can you used to be able to push a wee button and it would just go straight on the telly. But I don't. I'm not sure it actually works that way. Uh, now and indeed, you know, it'll probably just freeze anyway. So what's the? It kind of, kind of, kind of strikes me that for the not quite the older generation, because I still want to go to the games, but you do wonder whether the economics of a stream would make sense for folk who can't go to the game but might well pay a certain amount to watch it on the stream. I don't know I, the economics so, of it. So the league used to prohibit it. The, oh, it right. to, so some clubs have got their own TV stations um, like Wraith Rovers did. You could watch it if you were abroad. And there's ways around that if you've got a you can set up your computer with a VPN and then it, it, it thinks you're abroad so that I think, but I think the league will change their position. I think the same as you, that, that they'll see it as an income stream or they'll certainly let it run for a, a while. There'll be people nervous to go back to football matches as well. Yeah. I think what, you, what you've got to guard against, though, is, I was thinking, I was having exactly the same thought yesterday, what you've probably got to guard against is making it, you know, the same price. If we're paying £17 to get into the game on a Saturday, if it's £17 to stream it, how many folk uh, are just going to sit at home on a cold day or whatever, and watch that, and you get that feeling of you know less people on the ground, less atmosphere, whatever. If it's going to work, it should be a sort of premium price. You pay seventeen pounds to go through the turnstile, but you pay twenty quid or something to watch it from home, and that mm-hmm. maybe earns it earns the, the club a wee bit more. And like you say, it maybe it maybe brings a lot of older fans that can't make it to the games. It maybe gives them more of a a chance to watch it, you know, again when, when they might not, not have done so. So, you know, I yeah. think this, it's worth looking into and worth bringing up and questioning. Certainly, if you're the if the clubs, if you were the clubs, it would be an extra income stream. I know. I hope the clubs look at it, even if it was something like a delayed start to put people off just just taking the TV screen. <laughs> For me, it works quite well with the young family. I don't get to every game, so I've probably seen more. This year, and sometimes I've even bought the stream, started it, and paused it, and then later at night, when when they're away, I can I can watch the game, which I've never been able to do before. So I, I think there's there's definitely something there. I think it's the, the league rather than the the, the club uh, that need to come up with with what they're comfortable with. It's probably actually better to do that, Colin, because I don't know if you've been the same as me, but I've been watching the games on the stream, and I've got my I've got my uh, I've got my phone sitting beside me. But BBC Sport reports the goals 20 seconds before they, before you actually see it. So either right? it would flash up and it would say, Airdrie won 4 for nil, And Airdrie hadn't even had the attack yet. Mm-hmm. Or, or else I then started moving the phone down the bed a wee bit or, or, or over the room a wee bit. And I could hear it. It would buzz as well. And I'm going, oh, wait a minute. Here's a corner. Is this going to be a goal? <laughs> Don't know if anybody else has done that. Maybe there's no, clearly a delay up where I stay or something. I don't. No, no, there's a, there's a delay on the stream just with it going through the technology to uh, to make it less likely for people. Because to John O'Brien shout, we scored a penalty before the ball was struck. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just Sean's confidence. Uh, <laughs> and but for you, Colin, that must be the, one of the bits that's quite. Uh, comforting because you usually sit next to John in the ground so I do it must just be mainly, a life for you listening to him it's mainly away games that I do it because uh, at the home games he's doing the stuff for the programme and all that kind of stuff 
Uh, so the guys I go to the away games with, I don't sit at home. I sit with a couple of other guys, uh, Gordon Anderson and uh, and guys like that, you know. But that area has uh, emptied over the years. I mean, there's probably only about 20% of the people who used to be in those rows. No, because they've passed on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But because they just get fed up, ten years in this league. Let's hope a, a promotion and signing Kyle Turner up next year is going to fill those seats yeah. back up when we're all allowed back in the stadium. But um, guys, thank you very much for your time. I'll, I'll let you wait to enjoy your Friday nights, and um, fingers crossed that, that tomorrow's a victory for Adrian keeps all the excitement going, uh, and, and we don't we're not made to look daft by being so optimistic on on this. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I did write for the advertiser over the last couple of seasons, but this this is much better. Oh, what, what, what was it you did? The court case book? <laughs> no, I, I was the ter- terracing Tam for the last <laughs> two seasons, and they never paid me. I never even get a, a freebie for them, never even get a free advertiser. So I, I, I decided to give it up. Oh, it's nice to know the, that the our, our race is as competitive as theirs, Colin. You'll get the same from us. Yes, that's all I want. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, guys. No more sorrow, but that's the chance you gotta take.